we've got several gone. We've got some who are traveling and some who are not feeling well. And you know, check around, look around. Everyone always appreciates a word of encouragement when they can't be here, so you want to do that. Um, yeah, our gospel meeting next Sunday. Lord willing, Corey's going to uh, get things kicked off, and you know, the theme of that is give God count on me. And so. Uh, you know, try to be here to every lesson you can. As Tim already mentioned, uh, be encouraging, invite people. There are flyers back there that will be door knocking on the subdivision up behind us uh, Saturday morning around 10 o'clock. So uh, do know that, and hopefully you can come and help with that. Because I'm guaranteed if we don't invite them, they won't come. And uh, so, but you can invite people to live in your neighborhood, and your friends, and your co-workers, and... Um, Try to have some more, maybe some more gravel made to the back so we got a little more parking that way for our uh, members who the walk doesn't bother. Uh, but anyway, it's great that we can be together. And I again especially want to thank the ladies who have been showing up Saturday after Saturday around 3 o'clock. I know that's probably not the most convenient time, uh, but and been cleaning away, keeping things for us cleaned up. And, uh, so I appreciate them very much, appreciate the men who work. And so as mentioned, I kind of liked having a screen back and singing a song looking up at the yeah. wall instead of looking down at a song book. And we're kind of, like I tell you, every week you're going to see something a little different. You know, we're going to learn things on the fly. This baptistry, at least tell you with it, one of the deals with the baptistry is, um, Caleb and I started filling that up yesterday and the liner's got a leak in it. So... We're going to see what we do. Uh, by next week, we'll have something figured out on that thing so that it works. But uh, anyway, even if we had to use it, we'd fill it up with cold water and baptize somebody and pump back up. It'd be, whoo, water's kind of chilly right now. Ask Caleb, he waded in a little bit when he was trying to straighten some stuff out. He was whining about his feet hurt before he got here, and he was whining about it being cold when he put them on the ice. But anyway, uh, it's a great weekend being together. And I don't know of anything I would rather do on a beautiful day like this then come together and fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ and be able to worship God. I've told you in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul on three occasions talks about the challenge that rich people have. And Jesus talked about it a lot. When he says it's more difficult, Jesus says, when it's more difficult for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel to pass through the eye of the needle... You can see that his apostles say, well, that would be impossible. And Jesus says, with man it is impossible. But with God, you've got to depend on God, right? I meant to look it up, and I meant to do it this morning, and you know, my forgetter works pretty good sometimes. But last time I looked it up, do you have any idea what the average household income is in the world? Last time I looked it up, listen to this. The average household income in the world is less than $2,000 annually. Are you rich? If you got more than $2,000, if you made $4,000 a year, you're twice as rich as you're in the upper half of the world. So I want you to think, we are filthy rich. Everyone in this room is filthy rich. I mean, you have to wear the same clothes every day? If you're like me, you got more shirts than you want to own up to. And pairs of shoes and everything else. And 
I mean, you just think about that. That is interesting. Uh, so as was read for us here, what we need to be is we need to be generous and ready to share. And I'm talking to a group of people I know that is generous and ready to share. We've seen that, haven't we? We've experienced that over and over again. With the contribution, it's just overwhelming uh, that was given so we could acquire this building so things could happen, so the congregation could be established now, this past February. Uh, generous as can be and ready to share. And we're going to spend a little time on that, but I want to talk a little bit in this passage and deal on the idea of being ready and sharing. The Bible text says we're to be ready. And then when we end the end of the lesson, we'll be back to being ready again, okay? So I look at this passage that uh, Dennis read for us. He says, instruct those who are rich. Now, if the average household income is less than $2,000... Now, are we the rich? We're the rich. So here's what I'm supposed to instruct you. This is what Timothy is. Um, not to be conceited. That doesn't make you better. Have you ever heard people use this term? Well, they're just trailer trash. You ever heard that term used? Are they implying that if you live in a trailer house, you're less of a person that lives in a mansion? So what house you live in determines by how special a person you are? I've known people that have millions of dollars that... I would, don't want to spend any time with them because I've been around them a little bit and they're terrible. How much money you have doesn't determine how good a person you are. And so we look at that. He says, but what you have to do is don't fix your hope on uncertain riches. Now, when I was a young preacher, and that's been a while ago, but when I was in my 20s, I was around people in their 80s and 90s. And so that's 40 years ago. So you think if they're in their 80s, four years ago, they'd be 120 today. So they're not around anymore. But those people had a real, they were old enough that they were adults when the Depression hit. And they could tell you about real life experience and what it was to have things, think you had everything made, think you had everything established. And the next day you wake up and you have absolutely nothing. I want you to think what it would be like. I don't know what you got in the bank. I don't know. But if every dollar you have that's put away anywhere in any kind of investment, tomorrow's gone. Now, I'm going to tell you what. You're going to go to work tomorrow. If everyone lost all their money, what's going to happen to your job? And the goods you produce. Now, what you think about that, all of you that are in Social Security, when the Depression hit, you know what happened to Social Security? So I'm going to tell you, you had nothing, okay? Matter of fact, the people that weathered that storm best were rural people. Rural people that could produce their own crops. They weathered, and there was, I still think, in the years of the Depression, still we had the highest per capita suicide rates ever in the history of the United States. They trust in uncertain riches. So don't trust in those things because you don't know what will never happen again. Yeah, okay. So he says, here's what you're to instruct them to do. Instruct them to do good. Do good. That reminds me of James 4, verse 17, the one that knows the good or right thing to do and doesn't do it what? Let me ask you a couple questions. I, this is how I approach life. 
Do you think it would be good to read the Bible every day? Anybody in here disagree that it would be good to read the Bible every day? Okay, so if it would be good to read the Bible every day and I don't do it, did I sin? The one that knows the right or good, would it be good to assemble together with the church every time they assemble? You got to see, boy, you get yourself. You got to see, you got to be, he says, so what we've got to do is we've got to instruct them to do good. Be rich in good works. That don't mean you pay someone else to do the work. That means you dirty your hands. And to be generous and ready to share. Those are the ones we're going to focus on a little bit. Be generous and ready to share. You guys remember earlier in this chapter, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with money. But if that's what it's about, that's what your life's about, you're in trouble. The love of money, if you, I just got to have more, I got to have more, I got to have more. And you know, it will have little to do with how much you have it. Poor people want more and rich people want more. Some people are never satisfied. If you look, before you get to verse 10 and 1 Corinthians, you're to be content with what? Well, if we have food and covering with these, we shall... That's a will word, right? We shall, we will be content. Not we should. If we've got food to eat and clothes to wear and a building to live then why are we worried about the rest of it? Love of money gets in the way. But I think about that idea of ready. You know, over in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, it says, preach the word. I like that. And then he says, be ready. And if you look at that passage, he says, be ready in season and out of season. Now, being the honor guy I am and growing up with the... So that means whether it's a deer season or not. Well, that's really not the season they're talking about. Be ready in season and out of... When are we supposed to be ready? On Sundays? What we're supposed to be ready? So how about Mondays? We're to be ready to do what? Preach the Word. Tim mentioned that in his class, to share that gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Have you ever let an opportunity slip by because you weren't ready? Shame on you. Shame on me when those things happen. <clears throat> you got to be ready. Well, that takes some planning, doesn't it? And it takes a mindset. And takes it. Got to be ready. Got to be ready to do that. You know, you look at that. Let's say I can tell you right now. I'm pretty sure that if next week it's not going to do this. I'm, I'm certain. But if next week it's 40 degrees in the morning. We might be cold in this building because I think the propane tank has plenty of propane in it, but I think the copper line that runs from the propane tank in here has such a damage that I don't think furnace work. So if we thought it was going to get cool, what do you got to do to get ready? It means you're going to have to fix that, right? Hmm. Got to be ready. You know, it's a lot of people... They don't ever do what they need to do to be ready for anything. Got to be ready. Got to be ready. We've been hustling and scuffling around here to get things done for one reason, because we've been planning a gospel meeting to start next Sunday, right? So maybe we opted up to do a few things a little faster than we planned to do because we wanted to be ready for that gospel meeting. I think of another passage. I think this is interesting when I think about Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. 
He has to have someone show up and says, what are you waiting on? It doesn't seem like Saul of Tarsus waits on anything. What are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away sins, call the name of the He knew what he needed to do. What was he waiting on? I'm not sure you can ask him that someday. I guess it's unimportant, but he had to be told, you know what you need to do. Why aren't you doing it? Have you ever had to tell somebody that? I've had to tell people that. Just get on with it. Do what you need to do. So we got to be ready as this passage. So we got to teach rich, even rich people, so all people, to be generous and ready to share. We got to be ready in a lot of things. Look over at Titus chapter three. We'll just hit a few of these. Titus three and verse one. Remind them to be subject to rulers. Oh, that's what we like to hear, huh? We got to obey our government. You ever pay attention to how silly our government is at times? Oh, it is. But we got to be law-abiding citizens. Christians are law-abiding. Did you hear me? Christ, faithful Christians are law-abiding citizens. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. Hmm. Christians sound like people that are ready. They're getting done what needs to be done, so when a good opportunity comes up, they're ready to get at it. Look at another one. Uh, go with me over to, I really like this one, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Let me back up to 13. It'll make more sense, okay? I like 15. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what's good? That's a rhetorical question. That means you know the answer. If you do what's good, don't worry about it. God will take care of you. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, and that happens, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That means you do what He says. He's your boss. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. When are we to be ready to make a defense? For the gospel, for the church, for the brethren. When do we be ready? Be ready always. So, well, I think I'm going to take Tuesdays and Thursday off from Christianity. You got to always be ready. You know, you really got that takes work to always be ready. And you can be in any situation. I get in those situations with people I know that aren't members of the church. And they'll ask me some question that has spiritual or religious connotations. And you know what? They expect me to know where it's at. They expect me to have an answer. And they don't want to hear say, oh, I don't know. They expect me to be prepared to give an answer. Well, you know what? Not only do they expect me to be ready to give an answer, you know who else expects me to be ready to give an answer? God does. And you know what? We talk about people. So you've been a Christian for 30 minutes. You're going to have all the answers? Well, you're never going to have all the answers. But let's see. Should there be a big difference if you've been a Christian 30 minutes and what you're ready to give an answer for and you've been a Christian 30 years? There better be a huge difference. Some people, we can get a first, second, third grade class who sometimes has more Bible knowledge than most adults in the congregation. 
You know what I got to say of that? Shame on that. They should feel ashamed of that. I still always think back to Cedarville, Kansas, where I preached first. And our teenagers decided we need to have a Bible bowl. I had three boys in the class, no, four boys in the class, and two girls. And they wanted to challenge the adults to a Bible bowl. And we broke the adults down into two categories. I think we took those under 40 and those over 40. So we had three teams. Teenagers blew them all away. Shame on those adults. Teenagers know more Bible than you know. Huh. Now the teenagers knew it because I told them what we were going to study and they were very competitive oriented so they just, you know, they just broke it down. They memorized what needed to be done to win. The adults already thought they knew everything so they weren't very prepared and it was obvious. They weren't ready to give an answer. Well, it's even more important than winning the Bible Bowl about winning souls, isn't it? We've got to be ready to give an answer. Look at another one. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, go to verse 12. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Peter ready to remind people of what the Lord has had to say? Should we always be ready? Ready to remind people? You know, I've been preaching a long time, and to many of you I've preached to for a long time. So a lot of times when I hit a subject, you, you should already know it. Because we've went over and over and over. And I'm always ready to remind you. And you know what? A lot of times we get offended when someone, you already should know this, but I'll tell you again anyway. But you know, that's a shame on you statement, see? Well, you should know this. I mean, I've been over this and over this. I beat this horse. I beat the thing to death trying to make it run. So you look at that. The apostle, even Peter, he had to deal with that. But I'm always ready. I'm always ready to remind you. We need to be ready to remind people of what the Bible says. So then I think about this point. He says that they need to be generous in 1 Timothy chapter 6 on that side already. You've got to be ready for a lot of things, right? We just looked at. But one of the things you need to be is you need to be ready to share. Share. You ever taken a little 18-month-old kid, two little 18-month-old kids, put one toy in the room and try to get them to share that toy? <laughs> That's almost as bad as getting two 60-year-old people to try to share something. <laughs> okay. Now you laugh, but it's kind of like that, isn't it? That's mine. Now we don't usually react where it's, but we'll kind of skirt around, kind of sneak it, hide it over here, whatever. Ready to share. Let me ask you this: God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit existed in eternity, and in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. In John chapter 1, it tells us the Word, which became flesh and dwelt among us, verse 14 of that chapter, Jesus himself, is who spoke all these things into us. I want you to think about that for a minute. So they wanted to share things with us, didn't they? They created us so that they could share blessings with us, physically and spiritually, right? God sent His only begotten Son though, so He might share the forgiveness of sins. God wants to share. You know, isn't it terrible? 
let's say that, I don't know, let's say I know whatever your favorite food is. So I know Dennis loves liver and onions. I know he does. Doesn't have any sense, but he loves liver and onions. So I go get him some liver and onions. It's here, and I go get Dennis, I went and got this for it. It's all gone for you. And I get ready to hand that plate, and he just hits the bottom and says, Get that stuff out of here! Uh, I tried to be nice and share this. And then you respond that way. But we slap plates and things at God all the time, don't we? Mankind does it all. God offers all this to us, and we act like we could care less sometimes. Wow, I think about this passage of Scripture here. When it says in Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3 and verse 11, and he would answer and say to them, The man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and he who has food is to do likewise. So if we have extra, how many shirts, well, that's kind of crazy anymore, how many shirts do most people wear at a time? Usually one shirt at a time. So if you got more than one shirt, you got a shirt to share, don't you? We got lots of stuff to share. Let me ask you this. So we're going to eat lunch today. If you go home today, is there food in your cabinets and refrigerator home? So you got food to share. You know, you look at that. He says one thing, we should be ready to share because he's given us all kinds. He says if you've got things, one of the reasons God has given those things to you the reason he's given those things to me is so we might share them. Abilities, that work the same way? Have you ever heard of atrophy? That is if you don't use it, you lose it. You guys remember um, a parable Jesus told about talents and five-talent man and two-talent man and the, one, and the one who didn't use what God gave him lost it all. Wow. we got to use it. Um, I think this is an interesting one. I, I just about left this one out. I thought I'm going to mention it anyway. Galatians chapter 6, and I'm going to mention it maybe in a little different setting. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6. The one who is taught the Word. Have you been taught the Word? Okay, I want you to think about that. So, you know, I've been taught the Word by lots of people from the time I was a boy. My mom and dad taught me the word. I Bible class teacher taught me the word. You know, I mean, through my whole life. Huh? But he says, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Huh. You know, so you think about people who thought enough to teach you the gospel, and if you were able to share the gospel and hear good things, you think they might enjoy hearing about that? Wow. We've got to think about that. We talk about being positive. You know, it's like a person who was complaining about the weather and it was so cold and so snowy and the road was so slick. And someone says, man, can't you be positive? He said, yeah, I'm positive it's cold and slick and dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you put the word positive in front of it doesn't mean it's positive. Um, but we do need to be a positive people. Look at another one with this idea of share. Get ready. Ephesians 4 and verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer. So if you're a Christian and you were a thief, what are you supposed to do? Stop it! 
but rather get a job. Isn't that what that says? He, but rather he must labor. So if you used to be a thief, you need to go get a job. Performing with his own hands what is good. So you need to have a job that's good, not some criminal act. And it says, why would you do that? So that he will have something to share with the one who has it. Let me tell you what. Why do thieves usually steal? Because they're selfish. Okay, that's why they steal. What person is going to have the hardest time sharing with others? Selfish people! So you got to get a job and do work, so you do all this work, and I'm doing all this work so I can just have all these things myself and just keep them to my... That's not the reason you're to work. One of the... says if you don't work, neither should you eat, right? There in 2 Thessalonians 3. So I'm not for the guy who if someone comes and wants food or help or something, but... The, I mean, let me tell you what. I'm going to say something right out here. There is no reason that there's anyone in the United States of America doesn't have a job today. Because they are everywhere. And if you can't find one, you talk to me afterwards, I know lots of people that talk to me every week that's looking for employees. Lots of them. I mean, I'll give you a choice of ten jobs that I know personally. So I know those are there. So if you're not working, you know why you're not working? Because you're lazy and you're selfish. And you don't want to do it. Hmm. The Bible says, so I get this job, what am I supposed to Well, I get this not just so my life's better, but my life will really... Have you ever read something like in, I think it's Acts 20 and verse 35, it's more blessed to give than receive? Hmm. You know, talk about birthdays and stuff, you know. You get my age, you really want to kind of forget birthdays. So... And you want to, re I'm at the age right now where I'm at it. I just soon reverse the digits of the age. But anyway, can't do that. But you know, when you're a little bit, we went over uh, last week to Skylar's birthday party. She's three. You know, birthdays are fun when you're three. And you know what? It's more fun to go to her birthday party and watch her get gifts than to me be at my birthday party and me get gifts. You know, that's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun to give her a gift than it is even to get a gift. Isn't that, you know why that is with little kids like that? Because they're not so old yet now. They really don't like the what you gave them. They love it. They love it. You can get them anything. You can get them an empty box. You can get, oh, but look at this box. Well, let's see what we can do with this. You know, maybe they'll jump down, crush it, make a lot of noise. Maybe they'll make a fort out of it. Whatever. She'd make a dollhouse or something. But anyway, we look at that. We're given these things to share. Let's look at another one. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. And look at verses 17 and 18 of Philippians 2. But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice of service for your faith, I rejoice and share my joy. Share my joy with you all. He, man, he's being put through the ringer. But what's he do? Does he always share all the calamity and all the pain with them? I want to share you the joy. And look what he goes on to say, verse 18. You too, I urge you, listen, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Now we do something, and, and I get that when people are going through a lot. Well, how are you doing today? Do you really want to hear everything's wrong with their day? Is that why you said that? 
Now, I know these things are real to go in their day, but sometimes you can focus on that stuff and it'll, you'll never get by anything because that's all you focus on. But you sometimes meet people and they deal with all kinds, I mean, they deal with difficulty and it's easy to see in their physical condition and everything, but they always have good and positive things to say anyway. And I think, now, when I was a young man, even a boy, in Winfield, Kansas, where I grew up, there's a nursing home there. I won't get into all the changes that happened through the years, but was affiliated with the church. And so we would go out there. And we would go out there like 2 o'clock and hold a service. You know, sing, pray, preach, the whole thing. And um, But one thing I noticed about old people when I was just a kid, 11, 12 years old, is old people, almost everyone fell in one of two categories. Either they were so happy and nice, or they were the gripiest, most negative thing. There was no middle ground. I mean, there was no middle either. Man, I want to, I'm not going to talk to them, man. Stay over here, man. Where are you out? I'll go talk to this person, because this person is glad to be alive, and they can barely walk. They can't even get out of a chair by themselves, but they only say good things. They want to encourage, man, you did such a great job, and I think I was young, and they were lying through their teeth. But they were wanting to encourage you. And they were knowing, well, you know, it had to be difficult for him to get up here and do this. And with where he's at, he did a great job. You know, you look at that, and Paul here is right to the church in Philippi, and he wants to give them words of encouragement. And what's he want to receive from them? Words of encouragement. Share, I'm going to share my joy. And you need to share your joy. You know, you think about that in prayer. It's interesting to look sometimes at how many times it talks about in prayer we need to give prayers of thanksgiving. We've talked about that a lot of times, haven't we? We ask God for this and ask God for this and ask God. God wants to hear from us. Don't get me wrong. And that's who you should ask. But we forget to thank Him when we get something. Wow. Is it, is it kind of nice when you do something for someone and they just say, Thank you. Isn't it interesting how those two words, or maybe even they get all the way to the car. First, I just, I just want to say thank you for it. That makes you feel good, don't it? Positive things, positive words, well, they have a positive outcome. You know, their song is one of Tammy's favorite. I think Caleb read it, let it our Devo. Angry words. You ever have anger head stuff come out of your mouth shouldn't be there? I'm the only person that's never done that, right? No, all of us have done that, haven't we? Oh, man. Even when you're angry, you still got to control yourself. God expects you to do that. Even your tongue. But we can do it to James. Taming the tongue is a tough thing. Look over to Hebrews chapter 13. Tie this all together for me in a few verses here. Hebrews 13. Uh, and verse 16. Hebrews 13, 16. Listen to this. And do not neglect in doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices God is pleased. He's pleased with what? Doing good and sharing. Doing good and sharing. Let me ask you this. Would that also include sharing the gospel? Would that include sharing our lives with people? Would that include sharing food? Whatever possession we I'm telling you, here's what pleases God. I know so because it says so. Here's what pleases God. Well, doing good. Well, good according to you or according to me? Good according to Him. 
doing good and sharing. Wow. So let's get back to the idea where we spoke about being ready. So I just want to look at two verses, one in Matthew, and then we're going to go back to 1 Peter. But go over to Matthew 24. They're straightforward. Well, no one's more straightforward with his teaching than Jesus. But Matthew 24 and verse 44. Matthew 24, 44. For this reason, you also must be ready. Is it optional? For this reason, you must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think He will. Why do you got to be ready? Because you don't know when the Lord's coming back. Could He come back before I finish this sermon? Could He come back before our gospel meeting? Let me tell you what, if He comes back before our gospel meeting, I won't be here. You got to be ready. If you're not ready, well, we're going to try to extend an invitation, God's invitation to you. We're going to try to make it as easy as possible. We're going to stand and sing a song. But if you're not ready for His return, you better get ready today, right now. Because there is no time... Well, sometimes we say there's no time like the present. There is no time but the present. One last passage. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 5. Listen to this. And they will give an account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Is the Lord ready right now to do the judging? He, we're not waiting for Him to get ready. He's ready. The question is, are we ready? So this baptistry might not have water in it, but our pool doesn't look the greatest, but it's got water in it. So um, if someone needs to confess faith in Jesus Christ, repent because of that faith, and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, don't put it off. I tell people water is the easiest thing to find on the planet. It's two-thirds of this planet is water. So don't worry, we'll always find water. But if you need to respond, respond today. If you're a Christian and you're not ready for His return, Get ready right now. If we can help you, please come to a stand and sing.